uh, for listing in, in Hong Kong are quite stringent. But it does make you wonder, doesn't it? Why do these companies not want to disclose their audit work? What, what is it that they're afraid of? I think it comes back to the issue, though, that the New York Stock Exchange is trying its best to protect the investors. Bear in mind that there have been a number of collapses of these Chinese companies that were listed in New York, and therefore investors lost their money. So they're trying their best to find ways to protect the investors' interests by checking the accounts and, and ensuring that the audit is done correctly. And uh, I think that's, personally, I think that's a very reasonable approach. Mm. And, and, and clearly it is those companies that are trying to maybe cheat the uh, shareholders, cheat the investors, that are are under most concern. But bear in mind that the five companies that are being referred to as, at the moment as probably seeking a relisting are state-owned enterprises. They're not private enterprises. So there, there is a big difference between state-owned and, and private in this circumstance. Okay. Well, on that note, I'm afraid we have to leave it there. Stuart Allcroft, Asian Fund Management Industry Consultant. You heard Mark Michelson, Chairman of the Asia CEO Forum at RMA Asia, and our international economics correspondent, Barry Wood. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take another look at the markets for this morning. Uh, in Australia now, the SX200 is flat. The Nikkei 225 in Japan moving further ahead. It's up about three quarters of 1%. Uh, the Cosby in South Korea up about a fifth of a percent. Futures markets pointing to a gain of about 100 points for the Hang Seng at the open this morning. I'll be back tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock with more Money Talk. Back chats coming up after the news with Janice Wong and Anna Fenton. The weather forecasts, hot sunny periods and a few showers. Maximum temperature is going to be around 32 degrees and sunny intervals and a few showers tomorrow. Temperature right now is 28 degrees, 91% relative humidity. Take 32, here's Andrew Shrosky with the half hour news. Thank you, Peter. The operator of the Kaitech cruise terminal says it would take between three to six months to bring cru- cruises back to Hong Kong, and many were bypassing the city with itineraries planned several years ahead. Jeff Bent, Managing Director of Worldwide Cruise Terminals, told RTHK that only Royal Caribbean was still operating here and pushing to get cruises to nowhere restarted. They've been put on hold since February. Mr. Bent said operators needed transparent COVID policies, such as details of when cruises would be suspended if COVID cases were found. The rest of the world basically treats COVID as a flu now, and in general, the only requirements related to COVID are either you're fully vaccinated or you take a test before embarking and there aren't any other conditions for sailing. So the cruise lines that went from being in a very fluid position now have itineraries planned out for their ships for the next several years. So it'll be much harder for us to to bring a ship to Hong Kong now, especially if our policies are not aligned with the rest of the world. A pediatric specialist has called on parents to keep a close eye on their children who are infected with COVID, saying a post-COVID condition could put them into intensive care. Dr. Mike Kwan, a consultant in the Pediatric Infectious Diseases Unit at Princess Margaret Hospital, said multi-system inflammatory syndrome, or MISC, can affect the patient's heart, brain, liver, and kidneys. Symptoms including a high fever and a skin rash and what we call the strawberry tongues and also multi-system inflammatory conditions. And this condition actually quite serious and can be life-threatening. And in Hong Kong, around half the children needed to be admitted to the pediatric intensive care unit. And this condition warrants a long-term follow-up. And we are planning to follow up these children in the Hong Kong Children's Hospital. 
He added doctors were working with children with long COVID symptoms, including serious hair loss and temporary loss of vision. A chief manager at the hospital authority says hospitals are steadily filling up with COVID patients, and it is getting to the point where non-emergency services might be affected. Lau Kahin said over the past week, more than 200 patients had been admitted each day. Dr. Lau was speaking at the Center for Health Protection's daily press briefing. How can we arrange the best for the increasing number of uh, patients admitted to the hospital? We have to readjust our services. Uh, we try to postpone some services that the patient may not be affected too much. For example, some elective surgery, some elective endoscopy, as well as some elective radiological examination. Hong Kong recorded 5,162 COVID cases yesterday, of which 272 were imported. The news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Janice Wong and my co-host today is Anna Fenton. Good morning, Anna. Good morning, Janice. On today's Back Chat, we're talking about public dental services in Hong Kong after long queues of people were spotted in recent weeks waiting outside government clinics well before they open. And some resorted to lining up overnight to ensure they get a spot. This comes after the daily quota for public dental clinics was cut by half at the start of a year because of the COVID pandemic. So what's the impact been? Are the elderly and the less well-off disproportionately affected? And with the shortage of dentists expected to remain in the short to medium term, what can be done to improve the situation? After 9.15, we'll look at a tragic parkour accident that claimed the life of a teenager in Shimsha Let us know your thoughts, your questions and your comments on our Facebook page, Backchat at RTHK Radio 3. You can email us at backchat at rthk.hk or you can call us, of course, and our number is 23388266. That's 23388266. Now, to kick off our discussion this morning, we have on the line Ivan Lin from the Society for Community Organization and Dr. Spencer Chan, the Vice President of the Hong Kong Dental Association. Good morning to the both of you and um, thanks for joining us on the program. Um, let's start with you, Mr. Lin. Um, can you first tell us about the current situation? Are more people lining up at public dental clinics over the past few weeks? Yes, uh one reason based on the COVID situation, so uh, the, there are less uh, service quota, and also uh, because the border is closed, so many elderly they would have uh, gone back to mainland to receive treatment. Uh, they uh, unable have been unable to do so, so they have to stay in Hong Kong, and they also could not afford the private services, so they have to queue up. So are more are most of them elderly people then? Yes. Uh, well, we see uh, the uh, oral hygiene situation for elderly is a lot worse because uh, they do not receive any uh, school dental uh, care services when they are young. So uh, some of them, they do not know how to take care of their teeth. So uh, when they are old, uh, they often have teeth missing and uh, toothache. Right. Uh, Dr. Chan, what's your understanding of the situation? Um, are the long queues simply a result of uh, fewer quotas made available, or, or is there more to it? Oh, yes. Morning, everybody. Good morning. Yes. Uh, well, the situation is rather surrounding, and uh, we it's about time for us to look into it, uh, the situation better. 
And just like uh, the other guests saying, uh, mainly it's due to the 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 COVID situation making the the condition worse, and uh, the quotas uh, originally from one thousand cut half to less than five hundred cases uh, for a day, and that. That worsened the situation, and uh, I think uh, we have uh, space to in- for improvement. Yes, <laughs> Dr. Chan, are there enough dentists here in Hong Kong to meet the need? Well, it's a very good question. Uh, we've been asked for many times, uh, especially uh, lately. It becomes a very hot topic for discussion. And uh, theoretically, yes, uh, we have a low figure uh, of uh, dentist population ratio. It's talking about uh, 3.8 something. And uh, what, what's that ratio, Doctor Chan? Uh, dentist to population. Yeah. So what is it? Uh, it's a three three point eight dentists in ten thousand people. Yeah. That's not very many, is it? What would we see in the UK and other places with good dental services? Well, it's, uh, I, I suppose it's over eight or seven, something like that. Oh, okay. And is that due to a lack of training locally or uh, well, what's the cause of that? Or emigration of dentists? And when we come to the consideration of the manpower to see whether there is a shortage in certain area, we have to consider the people, uh, the local people, uh, how much they care about their their oral health. You know, uh, in short, the, the oral health awareness in that particular area is high or low. That affects the 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 dentist population ratio too. You know, and. and and most most of the time uh, in Asia or or for Chinese people, uh, they have less uh, awareness in the oral dental health. And the, some of the patients might uh, go to dentist for the first time because uh, there is pain in the in the in the in the oral region and after maybe right. many years of time, yes. Mr. Lin, what do you think? I mean, uh, Dr. Chan here, he says uh, some people, they don't really care enough about their dental health. I mean, you're, you're always uh, seeing lots of elderly people. You're in contact with many of them. How big of a problem is it? Well, it's a big issue on the primary care level because, uh, as I said, uh, they, uh, the elderly person, they don't receive uh, through uh, dental care services, so and also they have a lower education level. So uh, our survey showed that 90, 95% of the elderly population, they do not have regular dental checkup. So it's a, it's a lack of a primary care issue uh, causing uh, a lot of pain uh, in the later, you know, in the later part of their life. And uh, the, the public dental care services, it, really just the tip of the iceberg because uh, the service only uh, uh, cover extraction so uh, there is no feeling there is no uh, scaling
also uh, also no danger. So a lot of uh, certain needs is actually not shown in the queue. Right, Dr. Chan, you mentioned that there is uh, room for improvement. Uh, what sort of improvement would you suggest? Well, uh, it's a long story. <laughs> well, uh, we're talking about the policy making, and uh, we need government uh, uh, input, uh, and also both in the in the policy wise and also the resource wise, and. Uh, we might simply uh, split up to uh, three stages. You know, in short term, you know, uh, we might uh, promote the, the PPP. That's it, uh, what we call the uh, private uh, public uh, uh, partnership. Partnership. Yes, 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 and. Uh, that uh, might be in form of the healthcare voucher or something like that, you know. And uh, and uh, in order to fully utilize the existing excessive manpower in the private sectors, you know. And uh, that is for the short term. You can see the immediate effect. And for the medium term, and uh, I think uh, as promoted by the government lately, and uh, they allow the limited registration for the NLTD, and which is a non-locally trained doctors, and to work solely in government facility, you know, under close supervision, of course. And for a period of time, and uh, they're suggesting five years, and then after passing the licensing exam, then they might go out to serve the public, and, and does, that is does the this medium term. Does this include dentists? So are you classifying dentists and doctors yes, I together? Yes, they, they're trying to adopt the, the, the regulation to dentists too, yeah. Right, and uh, yeah, in long term, I think uh, basically uh, we have to go back to our fundamental, that is the dental education, you know. We have to improve the dental health awareness of the public. And uh, on top of that, we might extend the school dental care service from primary school to secondary or even starting from the kindergarten. And that's it. Right. Mr. Lin, what do you think of uh, those suggestions? I mean, do you think uh, elderly people would welcome foreign trained dentists? Well, I think uh, any service is good, especially they are underpaying. Well, our, our survey showed that 50% uh, of the elderly person uh, they have toothache so severe uh, that disturbs their sleep, but uh, they didn't go to a dentist because of uh, financial reason. So any service is good right now. Uh, we agree that in the short term, there need to be some kind of PPP, uh, maybe in the form of voucher, so uh, elderly in need could seek service immediately. And uh, we also agree that uh, there is a manpower shortage. There is really uh, no uh, room for discussion on that because uh, the government already uh, commissioned Hong Kong youth who did a manpower projection and it clearly showed that we have a shortage, so we need more dentists. And also, uh, I think we also uh, need to explore the use of uh, other allied health uh, profession uh, in dental health, like uh, the uh, dental hygienist or therapist. Uh, they could also do checkups and 
uh, regular uh, scaling in, in, in the primary health setting. And in the long term, I think uh, along with children, uh, elderly person, they also need uh, people, uh, older adults, they also need a, 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 a dental care scheme uh, because they do not benefit from the school services uh, when they're young. So, so there need to be some regular checkup scheme for them. And uh, Dr. Chen, um, if uh, the government uh, does uh, look at uh, um, getting foreign dentists to practice here, what criteria need to be met? Oh, well, uh, first, uh, to maintain the, the good standard of, of the dental practitioner, which is uh, very meaningful to, the, to, to safeguarding the, the general the, the oral care of the, the general public. And so uh, the only means to, to safeguard the standard is to having the licensing exam, which is uh, transparent, fair, and justice. And so uh, by passing uh, the licensing exam, and I think uh, we could be assured uh, their standard be up to uh, the local one, and uh, and that is the must to do so. Yes. And uh, how many of these uh, foreign trained uh, dentists do you think we need? Looking at the current situation. Well, it depends on the on the shortage in, within the government sector. You know, in the private sector, I don't see much actually, and uh, we are. I think uh, we are quite uh, in a in a sustainable development of uh, gradually increasing of our manpower from time to time, and in the government sector, yeah, because of the COVID situation or all kind of reason, or maybe the wages problem, and and uh, they suddenly have the uh, deficiency uh, from. Two percent to fifteen percent now, and uh, and within last year, I think uh, within this couple of years, uh, they have lost around uh, fifty to sixty dentists in the row, and so this is a figure uh, provided by them, and uh, and there's a minimum. Uh, number of dentists that uh, we we need to fill it up in order to maintain the normal service as as usable. Yes. So, what is the shortfall? How many are we missing? Well, in the government sector, it depends on the the scope of service they want to provide to the to the general public. Because nowadays they only only provide the emergency and the and the pain relief procedures to the public. And they mainly serve the civil servants for the time being. That is the structure of the, of the uh, dental service in government. And it, it all depends on their, on, their, on their policy, you know, and uh, the scope of service that they want to do to the public. And it's so it's hard to say in figures by now. So, how many dentists do we train in Hong Kong every year? How many dental graduates do we have? 
Well, actually, we. Uh, sorry. Go ahead. How many dentists do we train in Hong Kong every year? How many dentistry graduates oh, do we have every year? Actually, we have a very good prospective uh, planning for the local training uh, of the dentists here. And uh, in the past, you know, uh, from way back to 2008, uh, 09 academic years, we only have uh, 50 uh, dentists per cohort. But nowadays, uh, we have been uh, increasing the the places for for dentists uh, per cohort is uh, around 80 now. And so it's quite a significant increment of number uh, uh, for the freshmen. And uh, due to the current situation uh, of what you say, the shortage in manpower. And we have a plan to, to our government has already approved the uh, extra uh, dental training place to 90, to make it to 90 per cohort in the 2022 and 23 to 24 and 25 triennium. And uh, so if we calculate a little bit and we can see we have already around 400 dental graduates become registered dentists in the coming five years. All right. Uh, Dr. Chan, um, earlier you said uh, 50 to 60 uh, government dentists uh, have uh, left uh, over the past few years. Is it because uh, they've uh, gone to the private sector? Do you know? Well, um, yes. And most of them uh, go to the private sectors, and uh, I think uh, around one one half, or maybe less than maybe less than one half, go to the government sector, and uh, the rest uh, they prefer to stay in the private sectors. And it's because is it is it is it related to the um, the workload in the uh, public sector? Um, there are reasons for that, and uh, of course, the starting salary in government uh, have a big gap if you compare to the public sector. And if we put it in figure, I give you maybe I give you some some uh, some facts and figures. Uh, the starting point. In government, I uh, think it's around uh, 60,000 to 70,000 something per month. And in private, nowadays it's already maybe in some the uh, HMO uh, uh, recruitment ads, they could uh, afford to pay around about 100,000 per month to the, to the, the uh, new grants. And so that is quite the, the margin for their consideration. All right, uh, let's go back to uh, Mr. Lin. Um, earlier, you, you talked about uh, introducing or introducing more healthcare vouchers uh, for the elderly to, to use uh, um, at dentist. Um, I know they, they, there was an elderly healthcare voucher scheme earlier that uh, covered dental services, and it was like, uh, I think, $2,000. How, how did that go? Well, that is obviously not enough. Because uh, if you consider uh, having a, a denture 
uh, will cost you uh, 10 times the, the amount of uh, healthcare voucher every year. It's like uh, $20,000. So it's definitely not enough. And uh, we also hope that by introducing the uh, dental care voucher in, in the future, it will induce uh, some of the uh, primary uh, dental care uh, needs because uh, if there is a, a subsidy and uh, people, if you don't use it, it's gone. So uh, people would rather go to a regular checkup and in the long term it will also reduce uh, unnecessary dental needs. Uh, well, then uh, giving voucher is the uh, quickest way to deal with the issue because uh, something has to be done immediately. Uh, we heard that uh, due to the media coverage on uh, dental clinics, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the clinics have uh, changed uh, to giving out a numbered tickets in the midnight so they don't have to uh, wait outside for the whole night. But uh, th that's not a proper solution. So something has to be done immediately. So, Dr. Chan, uh, can you just explain for everybody the critical role of dentistry in preventing heart disease and the connection between bugs in your mouth and bugs in your heart and your lung and how important it is to get dental care, uh, particularly in, um, cardio, in the trip for, to prevent cardiovascular disease? It's a, it's a very good question, yes, uh, because uh, we have uh, a lot and a lot of uh, papers coming out to, to justify the redontal health is closely related to the heart disease and also the other uh, uh, system uh, running in our body, and uh, especially the hyperplasia and cardiorespiratory disease, and uh, that is the So, so it's not just about uh, you know having your teeth uh, and be able uh, being able to eat. So it's uh, a lot more important to to have uh, oral hygiene then, right? Exactly, it's uh, it's uh, it's a main factor affecting the general health of individuals. And uh, Mr. Lin, um, earlier you just mentioned that uh, more needs to be done immediately to uh, help uh, tackle the problem of uh, people lining up outside government clinics. Uh, what's your suggestion? We said in the short term we could give our voucher, but uh, also uh, even voucher is not enough to uh, fix the denture. We also uh, pushing forward to uh, a change of the uh, community care fund subsidy on uh, having a denture, and uh, there is now a time limit. Uh, people who uh, use the service could only wait until they're 75 to get the the next venture makes so that deter a lot of people because if they have uh, uh, make a venture in a, while they're 65 they have to wait 10 years so uh, we uh, look forward to uh, 
cancelling that uh, limitation and uh, giving out a voucher immediately. And also, uh, there are now uh, health centers, district health centers in all uh, 18 districts of Hong Kong. Uh, we hope that there could be a, a primary care uh, checkups in these, uh, a dental checkups services in these uh, health centers uh, that could discover the, the problem and uh, refer them to uh, the community care fund services I just mentioned. What about NGO dental clinics? Can they play a bigger role? Well, they are also uh, facing the manpower shortage, as mentioned. So uh, expansion of services uh, in the NGO sector is very difficult. So uh, we are looking for a government initiative, uh, maybe in the coming policy address. In the coming policy address, so you, you want to see uh, uh, maybe introduction of a dental voucher then in the coming policy address? Yes, and uh, also uh, uh, relaxing the limitation on the community care fund services. Right. All right, Mr. Lin, we'll have to take a short break for the news. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's Ivan Lin, a community organizer for SOCO. Also many thanks to uh, Dr. Steve uh, Spencer Chan, the vice president of the Hong Kong Dental Association. After the news, we will continue to discuss the issue with medical sector lawmaker Dr. David Lam. And uh, after 9.15, we'll look at a tragic parkour accident that claimed the life of a teenager in Chim Sha Chom. Now, a quick look at the weather. It will be hot and sunny with sunny intervals and a few showers, isolated thunderstorms later. The top temperature will be around 32 degrees in the urban areas. Winds moderate east to southeasterlies. And uh, right now it's 28 degrees, relative humidity 87%. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Wednesday morning with Anna Fenton and me, Janice Wong. In the first part of the program, we heard about the long queues of people recently seen outside several government clinics waiting to get a spot to see the dentist after the daily quota for public dental clinics was cut by half earlier this year because of the pandemic. And now to continue our discussion, we have on the program medical sector lawmaker Dr. David Lam. Good morning, Dr. Lam. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on the program. Um, I remember a few years ago, we would uh, hear about elderly people queuing up for dental services at five in the morning. And now we see people queuing up um, overnight to cure a toothache. Uh, what's your view of the situation? Well, it is certainly a suboptimal situation. And we wish to see the government providing more subsidized dental care to our population, in particular, the grassroots population. Now, if you really understand the dental services in Hong Kong, the government has all along, over many, many years, been providing close to nothing for the post-primary children all the way up to elderly. And it is only about 10 years ago uh, that the Hong Kong Dental Association rolled out the Community Care Fund Elderly Dental Assistance Program. So that provided some sort of free dental services to elderly in need such as for replacing or uh, fixing uh, some tooth problem, giving them um, removable dentures and so on. So we still have a vacuum in between. So in between like 12 or 13 year old to 65, there is no, basically no um, subsidized dental service except for perhaps emergency uh, services and what she mentioned, the 
queuing up overnight for dental clinics that provide services to the public. Now, the government has um, dental clinics, but those dental clinics are mainly catering for the services of civil servants and not the general public. There are only 11 um, dental clinics that provide service to the general public. So it is grossly inadequate. So why is dentistry the poor relation of medical care then when it's so crucial, particularly for heart and lung health? You're quite right. We don't understand either. So it has been for decades and it has been the government policy not to provide uh, dental services uh, to the general public and we think this is wrong. Mind you, it's not dissimilar in the UK where the, to get to see a national health service dentist is virtually impossible. What is this, that this kind of attitude that dentistry is not that important? I think things are evolving, and the World Health Organization has proclaimed clearly that dental health is part of general health, which is very reasonable. Just imagine if someone cannot eat properly, cannot chew, so he's not able to take in enough vegetables and fibers or even meat, protein. So they are reduced to a soft diet. Okay, so how, how could you have a good nutrition when you can't eat properly? And how, how could you have a good general health if you can't eat properly and have a satisfactory nutrition? Yeah, it's pretty fundamental, someone, isn't it? I mean, someone can't eat what they want to eat. So again, that causes depression sometimes. And, and what, what kind of a, a, a psychological health are we talking about? So dental health is very important. We wish to see that our elderly has workable teeth, but not requiring dentures. All right. Uh, Dr. Lam, we, we heard earlier from uh, our other guest, uh, Dr. Spencer Chan from the Hong Kong Dental Association, that uh, there is uh, just not enough dentists in Hong Kong, and uh, that's been a problem for many years now. Um, Dr. Lam, how serious do you think the problem is right now? No. If you look at the numbers, yes, we do not have a lot of dentists. We have about 2,700 dentists in Hong Kong, all right? And about 300 of them work in public sector, mostly in departments of health. We have a handful only in the hospital authority. So most dentists work in private practice. And if you ask someone around you in Hong Kong, how often do they see the dentist in the past one year? Maybe you'll be surprised that not many actually see the dentist even once a year. Sometimes people don't see the dentist until they have two vagues, severe pain. So it's a culture or a habit that has to change. The culture is that we do not see our dentist um, frequent enough. So the demand has been low. But then that's not a good idea because we see the dentist only when things get so bad that we sometimes may need to have the tooth removed. That is the last thing we want, the last thing surgeons and dentists want to see. So we need to increase the, the frequency of people seeing dentists for a regular check and cleansing. So that's maintenance of the teeth. If this habit changes, the demand will go up and the need for dentists will certainly go up too. Right. Uh, at the moment, if you ask the private dentists, they still have lots of capacity to provide for additional services. Well, what and they... that's in fact opened a door for the government they can tap into the facility and capacity of private dentists. So what needs to happen? Education is one thing, okay? And another thing is subsidy. How are you subsidizing? Well, we have a good system for primary school students. They are subsidized to have dental checks and dental care. 
But then once they get into secondary school, the uh, subsidized service stops. So secondary school students don't have the habit of, go of going to see the dentist regularly. If we continue to give them a subsidy for secondary school, which is not expensive because what they need is just a regular annual check and very simple maintenance. But then you give them a habit all the way up to adult, early adulthood. And thereafter, we hope that people will have a better habit of going to see the dentist annually. Because that is a period of most importance, um, like late 30s, 40s, when people begin to have chronic illnesses, their teeth begins to uh, go bad, decay, mm -hmm. and have other illnesses. And if they see the dentist regularly at that stage, they can have good maintenance of the teeth, and they can have a good denture all the way up to old age. And you save a lot of uh, expensive treatment when they reach elderly stage. So education yeah. and subsidized uh, dental services, perhaps in the secondary school years, to uh, build up a habit of people seeing the dentist regularly is what we need now. You'd think now, with everybody so keen on their Instagram smiles, that there'd be a, um, a higher interest among the younger generation in having beautiful pearly white teeth. Is that what you see, or is it not filtering through? Uh, for some people, yes. For those who, who can afford. But then, what are we really talking about? Beautiful teeth, not healthy teeth. Mm. Okay. Um, you use some chemicals to bleach your teeth. Is that really something to be done by non-professionals? Is that going to cause damage to the teeth, even, uh, or even long-term damage to the denture and the periodontal, I mean, the, the gum tissue around it? So I think we need to see the dentist regularly, have it checked, especially for those people who want a lot of dental beauty treatment. Then they are the people who need to have their teeth and their gums checked by a dentist regularly to make sure that nothing goes wrong. Yes, have, have you heard about turkey teeth? This is the big thing in Europe where people go to... <laughs> no, seriously, Google turkey teeth. It's quite shocking. They go to Turkey and have their teeth filed down to points. Young people do this in order uh, to have crowns you. put on them so they look beautiful. It's, it's quite horrific. So this um, beautifying your teeth can have dire consequences as well, as you say. Yes, I agree. Yes, and yes. Dr. Lam, um, you talk about uh, you talked about educating people about oral health, uh, oral hygiene, and that will take some time. But right time, but, but right now we do need uh, more dentists for for the uh, aging population. Um, what do you think of the idea of uh, allowing uh, foreign trained dentists to practice here? Well, I think this is certainly one way forward, but uh, that takes time. Though you need to change the law. Well, that's probably quick as well. But then you have to employ these people. Now, what we can do when we have about one public dentist to eight private dentists, you can ask the public dentist, you can purchase service from, from the public, uh, private dentist, and if the private dentist gives you one day out of a week of work or even half a day, they can almost take over all the work of the public services in terms of number. Mm. So it is not difficult. You can start today, talk to them, purchase services from them, and save our elderly from queuing overnight. Right. And then at the same time, you build up, well, I mean, they are already building up the, the intake number of medical, uh, dental students. And then you could consider importing overseas graduates as well. But then the first thing you can do is really to purchase services from our private dentists. It's now we need some, some help, yeah. isn't it? you can do it today. 
Mm. All right. So I have an email here from Anthony, and uh, he says, um, as the queue is due to the pent-up demand from people who used to visit mainland-based dentists, why can't the government hire the mainland-based dentists to Hong Kong to save up the commute time and cost of the of the elderly going to the mainland? He said he goes on to say, look at Singapore, which introduced overseas doctors years ago to fill up the shortage of medical staff. And then he says, uh, no worries about the quality of mainland-based dentists. They are probably um, higher than the Hong Kong-based dentists, and they are experienced in treating Hong Kong old people for years. And uh, that email is from Anthony. Um, what do you think of that idea, Dr. Lam? We never reject overseas dentists or doctors, for that matter. The only thing is about professional standard. If they can prove themselves to be of a high standard, we always welcome them. So if you talk about opening the door to outside dentists, the first thing is how do you guarantee their standard? Um, now, we have different methods of guaranteeing standards of medical professionals, including doctors and dentists. Previously, the most simple way is to give them an examination. For doctors, that works for many, many years, and for, and for dentists as well. But we noticed that in the past few years, we have limited registration for doctors. We have a special registration for the doctors, whereby only those from recognized university may be employed to come to Hong Kong and work in the public sector. So all such measures can be considered. But again, the first thing is to make sure these doctors who come to Hong Kong are of a high professional standard to treat our patients. So Do- Dr. Lam, can you just, e- can you just explain... For, for our listeners, what a dentist is. Is he or she a doctor who's finished their medical training and then does additional training in dentistry? Or what are they? You know, in Hong Kong, it's a separate dental school. Right. There are two medical schools in Hong Kong that, that trains doctors, medical doctors, but not dentists. There is only one dental school in Hong Kong that trains dentists. That's in the University of Hong Kong. It started in 1985. And the annual intake back then was roughly 50 per year. And now we are increasing it, increasing the student intake to 90 per year. So starting, I think, this year, uh, we'll be having like 75 graduates a year. And in a few years' time, we'll be seeing 90 graduates a year. So and how many, how many years' training does it take to Six train out a dentist? Six. So are, yeah. they, are they the equivalent of doctors? Because they can prescribe drugs, can't they, obviously? They do prescribe drugs. Uh, related to dental services. So they are trained in dental surgery and dentistry, but not in like endocrinology, the heart, the lung, or, or the intestines. That's odd, isn't it, since it's so related to heart health and gut health? Uh, so those are the realms of medical doctors. So dentists in Hong Kong are dentists. They are not medical doctors, but they are dentally qualified medical professionals. All right, Dr. Lam, I have another email here from Anthony, and he wants to know, I'm not sure if you can answer this question. He says, uh, how many years or hours do a, a practicing dentist need to pass the Hong Kong exams? And he says, by the way, why so? Why are there so many British doctors here practicing in Hong Kong? Did they also need to take the Hong Kong exams before they can practice here in Hong Kong? And uh, that's from Anthony. Provided someone graduates from a dental school recognized uh, by the Dental Council of Hong Kong, they can sit for the license examination of the Dental Council of Hong Kong. Once they pass the dental examination, the license examination, they can practice in Hong Kong. But what we really need today is to increase the number of uh, dentists in the government, or you can also increase the service provided by, I mean, public services provided either by dentists in the public sector or purchase these services 
from the private sector. So it is not really the number of dentists coming to Hong Kong that matters, but the amount of services we're providing to the public that matters today. What about for the um, doctors uh, mm. practicing in Hong Kong? Previously, before 1997, uh, they do not have to sit for any examinations. They just come and practice. Mm. But after 1997, everyone who does not graduate from Hong Kong, they have to come and sit for the examination. Or they can come to Hong Kong if they are medical doctors. They come to Hong Kong via the limited registration or the special uh, special registration route. What about the slack space in the civil service allocation of dental services? I remember when I worked in government, the civil servants were incredibly lax about using their dental appointments and would often just not even go. So there must be some capacity there that could easily be turned over to the public sector. Unfortunately, not so lots of capacity there. Uh, They used to have around about 1,000 quota per day uh, for the public. But now, because of the pandemic, many dentists are um, repositioned to other uh, areas in the departments of health, helping out with the pandemic. So they reduced the number of quota to 400-something these days. That's why you are seeing people queuing up. And, of course, during the pandemic, the most severe uh, phases of the pandemic, people who may have some dental problem, they'd rather stay at home. Uh, and now, since the pandemic has been easing a bit, they came out. Came out. So all of a sudden, you see more people, but still, we don't have the doctors or the dentists. Um, so the number of quota available to the general public is not enough. You have right. roughly just about less than five hundred a day okay. now. I have another uh, message here from Richard. He says, uh, the real question is why the quota, he's talking about the quota for the dental clinics, is still cut in half when uh, more than 90% of the population has been vaccinated against uh, COVID. Um, Dr. Lam, what do you think? I mean, is it time? I mean, can we relax it now? I mean, can we increase the quota again? When, When can we increase the quota, do you think? Oh, yes, I believe we should. Problem is we don't have enough dentists in the public sector because many are retiring, some are resigned, and many others are seconded to other areas of departments of health to help with the pandemic. Uh, they are not yet back to their own positions. So, as I mentioned earlier on, we have to immediately purchase these services from the private sector to fill up the spaces, right. and you can do that today. And, uh, yes, you say- I, I believe we do have to. In the short term, we do have to increase the number of uh, dental spaces for the general public, because dental health is very important. And at the same time, I mean, in the long run, the government should come up with something newer that would provide dental services to the general public, a subsidized kind of care to those in need. And earlier you mentioned that there are uh, 300 uh, public uh, sector dentists um, right now. Well, there's supposed to be 300. Um, how many are there right now? I mean, you said many have retired or many are about to retire and many uh, have left? I don't have exact figures. But roughly, we have one to eight public versus uh, private dentists. Uh, I don't have the exact figures now. All right. And earlier um, in the first half of our program, uh, one of our guests, he suggested a, a more cooperation between the private and public sector. How, um, how do you think that should work? I mean, should it be... Um, and then another is, uh, guest suggested an introduction of a dental voucher scheme. Would that help uh, cooperation between the private and public sector? Yes. Um, strategic purchasing of private medical health care and dental health care is nothing new. Uh, we used to call it a public-private partnership in the past, but when we are focusing more on 
strategic areas that is going to help the dental or medical health of the general population in the long run. We call it a strategic purchasing. So, um, yes, dental voucher is one thing. We Nowadays, we have the elderly healthcare voucher, but it is only available to those who are 65 years of age or older, and they're not earmarked to anything. So you can use it to see a dentist, a doctor, or you can use it to buy a, well, a pair of expensive sunglasses. So what we are suggesting is to earmark uh, dental vouchers among those um, elderly healthcare voucher so that people either use it to have their teeth checked and cleansed annually or the voucher expires. So that in a way helps people and guide them to use it properly. And dental care is one very important aspect. But still, we're only talking about 65 years or older. But what about the younger generation, especially those from the grassroots who cannot afford to see the dentist now and then? So one thing is we're suggesting the uh, school dental care program to be extended to secondary school. So at least children of the grassroots have a free dental check every year until they reach early adulthood. And that hopefully... Um, give them a habit of seeing a dentist. And, and after um, they come up to society and um, have their own work, then they can see the dentist regularly. And of course, I, I still suggest that for the really grassroots population, we provide sorts of subsidized dental care services. And have you made these suggestions uh, to the chief executive? I mean, can we expect to see it in the uh, upcoming policy address? Yeah, we've been, we have been suggesting this since the last government. Right. Will and you, we continue to do so. We're right. continuing to do so. But definitely. will you uh, expect to see something, uh, something in the policy address this time? Yes, I believe so. We've been discussing closely with the Hong Kong Dental Association and also the uh, previously the Food and Health Bureau and now the Medical and Health Bureau. Uh, yes, we uh, expect to see some changes. And certainly I'm going to talk to the government officials again on this issue. And uh, when you talk about dental uh, vouchers, I mean, what, what should be the value of this dental voucher? I mean, earlier we, we've heard about uh, the elderly healthcare voucher, which is uh, $2,000. For, for many dental services, it's uh, more expensive. Oh, if you talk about the dental services for the elderly, there is the Community Care Fund Elderly Dental Assistance Program, whereby uh, elderly people who are financially underprivileged, they can, they can obtain free services. Uh, of course, in a limited scope. Uh, this, has rolled, this is rolled out 10 years ago by the Hong Kong Dental Association, and elderly can receive treatments such as tooth extraction, x-rays, uh, oral examination, scaling, polishing, fillings, and also free removable dentures. Uh, so this is provided by private dentists and funded by the Community Care Fund. This provides the services that is most needed by the elderly, uh, and if you talk about the elderly voucher, that is certainly not enough in terms of the amount of money. That's why we need this extra community, community care fund program to help the elderly. What about the dental, uh, vouchers, uh, dental voucher you're talking about? What should be the value for that? The value should be one dental check plus cleansing a year, irrespective of the amount charged. So what the, patient, what the public needs to know is that they have a quota for a dental check and cleansing. All right. So the money is the issue between the government and the dentist. It doesn't really matter to the uh, general population. They just need to know they have one quarter at least to do a dental check and cleansing a year. 
All right, Dr. Lam, we'll have to leave it here for now. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's medical sector lawmaker Dr. David Lam. It's now 24 minutes past nine, and it's time for us to move on to our second topic this morning, and it's about the tragic parkour accident this week that claimed the life of a teenager in Chimsha Cho. To comment, we're now joined by Lo Chung Chung, a coach at the Hong Kong Parkour Association. Good morning, Mr. Lo. Hi. Thanks for joining us on the program. So, um, first of all, what's your reaction to the accident? Are you are you shocked? Oh, yeah, yes. Uh, since it's the age of internet, people can reach and learn many knowledge and technique easily. So, the most popular uh, videos are always show the best of the performers, and uh, but we will not see all of their preparation before they film the. Uh, videos. Uh, anyone cannot determine and judge completely in those videos. And uh, some people will think that's dangerous. Some people will think that's awesome. Yes. So just for people who don't know what parkour is, it's this new craze for jumping, rolling, vaulting, and leaping uh, as a way of traveling around on the top of buildings. Um, and as you say, there are many uh, YouTube videos of which make your um, yeah make make you quake with fear of people jumping around. So can you tell us how popular this is in Hong Kong? Uh, yes, uh, I, I think it's a worldwide uh, exercise or sport. And uh, in fact, we aim to train our body to adapt the environment and. Uh, so everywhere can be a training place, training place. Of course, we will recommend beginners start with coach or an, uh, companion and um, start with lower obstacles. Uh, we will not uh, recommend anyone to do parkour in the rooftop. Uh, rooftop is not necessary in our training. Right. And uh, what should people look out for when they try parkour? What should people watch out for when they try parkour? I mean, what should they definitely not do apart from uh, not practice uh, okay. uh, on rooftops? Mm, we will track every obstacles we are going that, that we are going to use before we practice certain moves. Uh, we will track, let's say, the surface if it's uh, slippery, any sharp edge, see if it's uh, broken or loosened. Everything needs to be step by step. And uh, can people practice at home? Uh, um, uh, of, of course, it's, uh, it's uh, uh, the same. We aim to train our body to adapt the environment. So uh, we will see every obstacle as, uh, as our opportunity. It, it looks really dangerous. Mm, um, no, uh, because... Uh, any any sport can be dangerous. Uh, it uh, depends on what they think, what they uh, and if they don't know how to do it, it will be dangerous. But if you uh, if we um, uh, think very clearly and plan and preparing everything very very clearly, uh, it's not that dangerous. Uh, yeah. 
But there's no safety net. So if you're jumping from building to building, even if it's not a very high one, surely this is a very high-risk occupation. Of course, of course. Uh, we will not, we will not uh, recommend people to do it uh, on the building. Um, I think rooftop thing is uh, uh, like a fashion, like a trend uh, year, uh, a few years ago because people want to do want to film, want to uh, take some photos on, on the uh, rooftop to share to in the internet. So, um, of course, if uh, it's possible, if someone, they have the technique of parkour, uh, but it, it's not our training. All right, so Mr. Lo, we'll have to leave it here for now. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Lo Chun Chung, a coach from the Hong Kong Parkour Association. Many thanks also to you who commented or emailed Backchat today and to my co-host Anna Fenton and my producer Christy. Now here's the weather. It will be hot with sunny intervals and a few showers. Isolated thunderstorms later. The top temperature will be around 32 degrees in the urban areas. Winds moderate east to southeasterlies. And the outlook, sunny intervals and a few showers tomorrow. Right now it's 29 degrees, relative humidity 83%. Given the volatility of the pandemic, please get the third COVID-19 vaccination dose soon. The antibody level will drop over time after receiving a vaccine. Getting the third jab gives extra protection to guard against the virus. Most importantly, it reduces the risks of severe disease and death. The mutant strains are highly contagious. Get the first and second doses soon if you haven't done so, and receive the third one on time to protect yourself and those around you. Enhance protection. Get all three doses. It's 9.30, the news with Andrew Shirovsky. Thanks, Janice. The operator of the Kai-Tek Cruise Terminal says it will take between three and six months to bring cruises back to Hong Kong, and many had set itineraries bypassing the city. Jeff Bent, managing director of Worldwide Cruise Terminals, told RKHK that only Royal Caribbean was still here and pushing to get cruises to nowhere restarted for the first time since February. A pediatric specialist has called on parents to keep a close eye on their children who are infected with COVID, saying a post-COVID condition could put them into intensive care. Dr. Mike Kwan said multi-system inflammatory syndrome can affect the patient's heart, brain, liver, and kidneys. And President Biden has signed into law the biggest ever investment to fight climate change in the U.S. The bill, known as the Inflation Reduction Act, includes more than $400 billion U.S. dollars of new spending. The news from RTHK. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the University of Set and Costume Designer, great interpreter of Beethoven. And by oh so shy, quiet and retiring doggy counter, co-founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is a really for adults and not really for kids. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Hello. The side of what's happening behind the lift. Good morning. In-depth interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Yeah, good morning. Good to be back with you. It's Wednesday on The Morning Brew. That's also Classical Music Day. Once again, conductor and composer Colin touching with us at 10.40 from Warsaw in Poland today. So a few days ago, he was given a mission by a listener, a viola player, in the UK, and her name was Mary, and he chose to accept it. Well, Mary wants him to talk about classical music that's used in films during an assassination attempt. Actually, this isn't too hard and has given him an excuse to play some amazing pieces today. Just think James Bond and Mission Impossible. 
2011. 11.40 RTL France's Philippe Vavard will be us live from Paris with some more super French music and news. Chris Watts is busy bending Hong Kong today and he will be with us tomorrow at 12.10, so we're Singapore-bound today instead for this week's real-time recipe live from the kitchen of Chef Neil Tomes. Do join him on Facebook Live. And, of course, feel free to ask him any questions you like, any comments, the usual. Sing, have ten kids and give them everything. 